Welcome to Friends in Prison. I'm Claire Aronson, and I have 29 friends in prison. Hello, and welcome back to the show. There were so many things that I wanted to start discussing with you and getting into, but that is going to have to wait because I have news. You remember my friend Juan? Yesterday, I got a letter from him with this news. Juan saw the parole board and was granted parole. So now it takes 120 days to get confirmation from the board. So I'm a little bit confused. Like I feel like, can't you guys just confirm it right now? Like you're all together when you grant me parole, but maybe there's, you know, another parole board. He just used the term the board. Um, Then it goes, maybe it's the board of prisons. So we have to get confirmation from the board of prisons. Then it goes to the governor's desk. The governor has one month to veto or allow parole. So that means if everything goes correctly, Juan is going home in five months. So for those of you who don't remember, Juan um, is one of my first pen pals. Uh, So I wrote to five people um, that very first day when I was like, I think I want to try writing to pen pals. And I just picked out five names and wrote to them. And Juan was one of those first pen pals. Juan was in a gang as a teenager, and he's been in prison since 1994. He's in his 40s, which means he's been in prison longer than he was out of prison. And, you know, the world has changed in so many ways, whether it's GPS or remote start cars, electric vehicles. I mean, do you remember in the 90s that we had to use cash for everything? But now there are places where you can only use credit cards. So, you know, this was a time before computers were an everyday item. You know, now we're using our computers to pay bills, to get a job, to find a phone number. So it's it's definitely going to be a whole new world for Juan. He he has been able to see these things in movies, on the TV, and he's been talking to people. He hasn't been in a cave for the last, oh my goodness, I think it's been 28 years, the last 28 years. But he hasn't experienced it for himself. So that will be all new for him. You know, um, I was telling somebody about it this morning and she was like, gosh, it reminds me of Shawshank Redemption. You know, the the world that you left is something you can never go back to. It doesn't exist anymore. But that's not something I think to lament. I think it is just exciting that he's going home. He has a supportive family and he is ready to get out of prison. So let me read you a little bit of his letter. I'm being called a short timer and an old G, two things I never thought I'd hear. I've been thinking about shorts with pockets. So I think that's funny. The the things that we start to miss, the things that we're looking forward to. Juan has a supportive family. We've talked a lot about what has changed him from the person who was in a gang and was sentenced to prison. You know, I really want to know If he is rehabilitated, then how did that happen? What is the magic pill? You know, he has a supportive family, but he had a supportive family when he was young. And he also, at that time, had the influence of the gang and the allure and the excitement of that life. Juan said that it is time that changed him. First of all, he's matured. He spent almost 30 years in prison. But it's not just age. It is the time spent in prison that has made him appreciate freedom. You know, does a teenager think that grocery shopping and 
sleeping in and privacy and making your own schedule or wearing shorts with pockets or coming and going as you please. You know, does a teenager think that that sort of thing is exciting? But coming out of prison, those are exciting things. I have had friends released from prison before, but Juan has been in prison far longer. You know, my friend Liz is home. I have another friend going home in one week. So let's talk about me. What does this mean for me? I think I need to learn a little bit more about the transition from prison back home. You know, um, I don't talk to Manda and Misty, two of my other friends who were released last year, I don't talk to them as much now that they're home as I did when they were in prison. You know, um, subconsciously, I must think that people in prison need more attention than the people who just went home. And these friends that I've mentioned, they went home to family. You know, Misty moved in with her sister and Manda with her parents. Liz is going home to her children. So the question is, do I concentrate on staying in touch with my friends that have left prison? You know, people need support. They don't want to feel forgotten by their friends because they've moved. But with so many of my friends being released from prison, should I look for new pen pals in prison? All right. Let's say that I look for one new pen pal in prison. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it before. I find my pen pals on websites that connect people with people in prison. Uh, usually the person in prison pays to put up a profile and you can visit these sites, Pentacon, Inmate Connection, Wire of Hope, Friends for Prisoners, that's with the number four, Friends for Prisoners, uh, meet-and-inmate.com, meetandinmate.com, and donotpay.com. I've only used writeaprisoner.com myself. You know, I've browsed other sites and I really like the idea of patronizing a site that doesn't require the inmate to pay for their ad, but writeaprisoner.com has such an easy layout. It's just user-friendly. You can browse through ads, save them to your account until you decide who you'd like to write to. I don't remember the name of the site, but I found one a few years ago back, a few years back, uh, where I would have to pay and they would give me three random profiles and addresses. It wasn't expensive. I think it was like $15. But honestly, three is not a lot. Like, what if I don't have anything in common with these three people? What if they don't write back to me? And what if I'm a little bit cheap, you know? I could just go to another site and get addresses for free. So that is what I did. The last thing that I want to talk about is where I draw the line. Who will I write to? And who won't I? I mean, the point of writing to these people is to become friends, right? I think I mentioned this before. Um, at first, I didn't write to people who were convicted of murder. I think initially I was interested in writing to people who would be released in the near future. You know, I wanted to be supportive and I wanted to help welcome them home, make that transition easy, give them the best chance for success when they left prison. But eventually, I started wanting to write to people with long sentences and even people on death row. I mean, why not write to someone on death row? If my goal is to improve society, which is kind of a lofty goal, um, even people on death row, they're still Americans. They're still part of society. And let's just talk practicality, right? If I want the justice system to work better and prisons to function better, 
then if someone on death row has a pen pal and that improves their mental health, then the guards and all of the prison staff are going to have an easier time interacting with them. All right, so it's decided. I don't have a problem writing to someone convicted of a violent crime, even murder. So where do I draw the line? You know what? I don't want to write to someone convicted of a crime against a child. I just don't. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. I still think these people can be re rehabilitated, and I want someone to write out, to, to reach out to them, to be kind to them, encourage them on their journey, and help them to rejoin society. But it just can't be me. I could use the excuse that I have children, and I like to talk about my kids, and I wouldn't want to make them a target in any way. But honestly, even if I didn't have children, I still wouldn't want to chit-chat with someone like that. It's awful because I know that people can change and I know that some people are wrongly accused and what exactly am I saying? I just can't relate to someone who would hurt a child, but murder doesn't bother me. I mean, of course, murder bothers me. So recently um, on that topic, I got a letter from a pen pal, someone I hadn't corresponded with a lot. And everything that she said was funny and relatable. And I told her things that are going on in my life. And she offered me some advice, which was interesting because it was exactly what I had already tried. Um, you know, I've had a hard time since my mom passed away. And this pen pal was just a great listener, a great comfort. I initially wrote her a long time ago. So I don't know why it was that it took so long for us to start writing regularly. But I had totally forgotten her profile. I went back to look, and maybe I should have just left it as it was. But I'm curious. How long had she been in prison? When is the earliest she could be released? What was it she was convicted of? And it was murder. You know, maybe I shouldn't look. Maybe I should tell people, look, I'm not going to bring it up if you don't. But that's just not me. The reason that a person is in prison is significant, right? I mean, Daniel has drug issues. Juan had to get out of the gang. Um, some of my pen pals are serving their first sentence in prison, and some have been released and returned to prison. Or maybe that's just my excuse for wanting to satisfy my curiosity. I don't know. I don't know. So speaking of Daniel, um, I sent in a letter of support to his parole board, and I got a letter from him yesterday that he hadn't gotten my letter of support yet, which can be weird when snail mail kind of passes each other in transit. But Daniel wrote a formal request to go to a treatment program. He's been in prison before for drug use, was released. He faced a tragic event and turned back to drugs. That's how he ended up in prison now. So the question is, what can be done to help Daniel so that he can cope with whatever comes his way in a healthier manner? So, for instance, if you look at um, advice for people rehabilitating after drugs, uh, you should avoid places where you know drugs are available. But it is possible to be surprised by the presence of drugs. Um, you should surround yourself with friends and family who don't use drugs. But what if one of them starts using Know your triggers. Know your temptations. Okay, but if tragedy is a trigger, how can we ensure that we don't encounter tragedy? The truth is that Daniel and all of us need to learn our strengths and our weaknesses 
and ask for help as soon as we need it, lean on our faith, and have a big support system, an ever-expanding support system. Daniel is very sociable and outgoing, so I think that that part will be easy for him. I really do. I feel bad for introverts in this situation. Um, But I will say that I think because I know why Daniel is in prison, maybe I can be a better pen pal to him in those respects. So all this talk about people getting out of prison, and my husband says that I'm doing a podcast about prison escapes. But to be fair, my my friends are escaping prison legally. So yeah, let's get everyone out of prison. Let's get them rehabilitated. Let's get them ready to be productive members of society. I mean, sure, I guess I am in the business of prison escape, but that's probably not the best slogan to put on a t-shirt. I think the other thing that I would like to talk to Juan a little bit more about is dealing with rejection. So I grew up as a community theater kid and I did a lot of school plays and things like that. And one of the reasons that I didn't want to go into acting was because I didn't like the rejection. And when you are auditioning for a show, for example, only one person is going to get the part. I mean, or only so many people are going to get into the play. It's not always personal if you don't get the role that you want. You know, it could be that you didn't look right next to the person they were casting opposite of you, or it could be that your voice is too low or your age or your height or any number of things. And you could be brilliant as an artist, as an actress, and not get the role that you really want. So if I can't handle that kind of rejection, how do people handle rejection in front of the parole board? You know, I would just go look. It's it's not like there's a limited number of people who can be released from prison. If I have done everything that I'm supposed to do, if I am a model prisoner, if I am if I have, you know, served my time, then I think I'm ready for you to say, sure, it's time to get out of prison. So I I just can't imagine how devastating it is to hear that your parole has been denied and you can't come back for a year or three years, depending on the type of sentence that you're serving. My friend Juan has seen the parole board many times. He's seen the parole board at least twice since, at least once, at least once since we've been writing. Um, But he told me about some of the visits to the parole board before that, you know, Um, and things that he was doing, joining the Pause for Life program where the prisoners train the dogs and um, taking certification classes and making sure that it is clear to everyone that he is out of the gang life and not associating with any gang members and really trying to make the best case for himself in front of the parole board. But in his letter where he says he got the positive response, he said he was so excited that he just he couldn't even sleep at all that night. Not one wink. And I just wonder if I would have had the opposite reaction. You know, if I would have um, been so angry and and upset each time that I had been rejected by the parole board that when they finally say yes, that's when I could sleep soundly. But He said, you heard in his letter, that he never thought that he would be called a short-timer. So if he has it in his head, he's already ready for the rejection. He he knows that he's going to be in there for a long time, for decades, and how to live life in prison. So 
All I can say is that I will keep you updated and that I'm going to keep talking to Juan and figuring out, you know, how I can be a good support system for him. Hopefully we have some good news from Daniel soon and uh, also some good news from the people who've already gone home. So if you know someone who has been released from prison or who has ever been to prison, you know, maybe they just need a little word of support. Maybe they just need to know that you're glad that you that they are part of the community and if they need help finding a job or, you know, some other community support, it, maybe you can help them to establish that support system that they need so that they can continue to be happy, productive members of society. And that's what we really want, right? Right. So thank you so much for listening. Tell everybody about the podcast. I promise I'm coming back with good news. And as always, find your own friends in prison.